1: Plug in and get
0: connected to hot tips, interesting perspectives, and expert travel advice as we cultivate travel insight through intelligent conversation. Most international travel has one common element, airports. Beyond travel by train or ship, most visitors come and go to Asia by aircraft, making airport experiences inevitable. Fortunately, Asia is internationally known for having some of the best airports in the world. So today, we'll talk about some of these, giving an overview of a few we know well, sharing some travel tales of our experiences in airports in Asia, and offering a few tips for layovers in some of our favorite and least favorite airport terminals i'm
1: trevor ranges in bangkok thailand and right beside me here is scott Coates. yeah we are outdoors too so you might hear the odd bird or a motorcycle taxi going but we have a nice kind of pool area on the fourth floor where i live and uh yeah so decided to sit outside enjoy the tropics and chat about airports and i have only been through a few lately but you've just recently flown pretty seamlessly right yeah,
0: I got to say, I flew into Bangkok here a few days ago and uh, arrived at Don Muang Airport. And uh, that's a very old airport and mm. usually not your favorite place to arrive at, but everything was smooth sailing this time. I got through with no problems
1: and uh, got to your place here on Friday afternoon. Toot sweet. You know, random trivia, but I think Don Muang Airport is one of the oldest international airports in the world that's still in operation like it started in in
0: 1908 or
1: 1910 or something like that I think there might be one other one but yeah we've kind of put together some commentary and some facts about some general Asian airports we also have some tips that we like to use when using airports and we'll just see where this goes but if you're listening remember Trevor and I you know we do this for fun we cover the costs ourselves but we do have people called patrons who sponsor the show from as little as a couple dollars a month upwards and they get a special bonus of something something every two weeks in between the regular episodes and a couple of those things recently were a video of boating on Bangkok's canals that I shared and Trevor shared one giving a look at Cervecia Brewery in Phnom Penh where he does some work so get on it get on as a uh, patron help us keep the show going and enjoy those little perks in between so how should we begin this Trevor
0: well you know when I did my outline here I thought maybe we should just give an overview of some of the airports since there are so many really (laughs) popular airports here And we just talk a little bit about them before we got into some of our stories. So Mm. I did some research. I don't know who made this top 10 list, but I knew that Asian airports were frequently on the top 10. Yeah. So that number one airport in the world, according to whatever website I was just looking at, um, was Doha. Mm. And I've never been to Doha. I know that Qatar Airways is is a pretty nice airline Mm. and always ranked really high. Um, I'm not sure what makes it so special, but uh, if you get to go to Doha, apparently that's the best airport in the world.
1: Cool. And then I saw that you found that uh, Tokyo has three in that top 10. Kansai, number nine, which is a nice airport. It's right kind of in Tokyo city center versus Narita. That's quite a ways out, but that's number five. And Tokyo International, that both you and I had never heard of, and we don't know where that is. It's got to be in Tokyo Tokyo's number two. And something that I thought, I think both Kansai and Narita had this, the little Japanese touches. So when you go to check-in and give your baggage to the the person at the check-in, they have sunk the baggage kind of carriers to ground level. So you don't have to lift your bag up a half meter and put it on, you just roll it at ground level right on, which is so obvious and makes such sense. Yeah, that's pretty slick. Yeah, I've never been to Kansai before.
0: Uh, Narita I've been to dozens of times. Tokyo International, if it's a new airport, just opened number two in the world. It must be pretty awesome. I've always found Japan airports pretty good. Like, I remember way back in the day, going back maybe 20 years, they used to have a Nintendo arcade room for kids. (laughs) They always had, like, uh, great nap rooms and the little, like, cubicle places you can sleep and stuff. So they were always upping their game to make great airports. So I'm not surprised they got three in the top ten.
1: Yeah, and Chengi at number three is always, you know, top three airports in the world, if not Asia. Singapore. Singapore, yeah, Changi. And, and I, I've just got to say my experience is clean, quiet, quick, you know, whether I'm even as a foreigner coming or going, passing through immigration is really fast. It's just quiet. It's organized. They have movie theaters in there, rooftop pool. They opened something called the Jewel just before COVID. And it's this giant indoor waterfall kind of shopping area. Like it is a site unto itself.
0: Yeah, you know, Changi in Singapore and Seoul, in the Incheon and Seoul, mm-hmm. I kept getting those confused. I'm like, one of them has a movie theater. I know it. Um, apparently, they both have movie theaters. Okay. I don't think it's in, like, the layover area, though. I never see any of that stuff. Like, They got to hunt for it, I think, a bit. Really? Or, or is it for, I don't know, you'd think it would be in the layover area, so if you have a 10-hour layover, you right. can go catch a movie. Because Incheon in the top 10, they're number four. The website said they have an ice rink, so you can go ice skating. But is that, like during a layover? Or would that be like
1: after you drop somebody off, be like, hey, let's go ice skating since we're at the airport? I'm not sure, but it's cool that airports are offering, you know, better services and more services. Even, you know, paid lounges is is sort of expanding and that's a nice thing, certainly. Uh, I see that you saw Hong Kong was number 10 last year on the list. They have a movie theater. It's been a while since I've been there, but I think they kind of pioneered the in-city check-in. I remember they had that service for some airlines that you could, you know, be downtown, check in, drop your bag there, go to the airport hours later and just get on your flight. And that was pretty slick.
0: Yeah, being able to check in beforehand, that sounds really awesome. Otherwise, yeah, like here in Thailand, we have Suvarnabhumi as the newer airport. And yeah. Uh, yeah, man, it's like, it's a big shopping mall. It's like a lame shopping mall, really. Yeah, There's- super
1: long walks to Gates there. They are building a second terminal, which I think comes online in 2025 or something like that.
0: Yeah, my tip for that one was, uh when you arrive in Bangkok, mm-hmm. you have to go downstairs to go to the taxi stand, and yeah. you have to wait in a big long queue to get a taxi, and then right. you have to pay 50 baht for that privilege. Right. And so lots of times, I would just go straight to departures and, mm. and wait for somebody to hop out of a taxi yeah. and just hop in that taxi.
1: That's a great tip there, or Don Muang Airport in Bangkok. You know, I, I've kind of liked and been impressed with the, the newish airports uh, where you're living in, Phnom Penh and Both Siam Reap. Those airports are probably... I don't know, five years old, but they're they do the job. They're not too big, they're not too small. There's a bit of decent food to be had, a bit of nice little shopping. Like for a poor developing country, I think they've done a nice job on those airports.
0: We actually they're building a new airport south of Phnom Penh, so there's going to be a new mega super airport soon. and then Siem Reap opened a new terminal in 2021, right? Which is quite nice. The thing I like about other than them being small and really easy to get in and out of is it's a good place to buy souvenirs. Like if you're on your way out of Cambodia, Mm -hmm. the gift shops there with the handicraft shops, they sell things for the same price that they sell them for in shops in town. So, That's like, cool. you can do last minute shopping there and not feel like you're getting ripped off.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I had a meal there at uh, one of the restaurants, and it wasn't outrageous either. We have KLIA, Kuala Lumpur International Airport. You know, we're a bit foggy on this. I lived there for a while. The one thing is that airport is like an hour taxi ride away, and then KLIA 2, which I believe AirAsia was at. Uh, we've seen comments that what they don't have a whole lot of food going on there at the moment, but that might be a COVID thing. Not sure. But that is a point to bring up again with like Japan and stuff. Like sometimes you'll
0: be flying into Narita and then out of Kansai. Yep. And with AirAsia, they have their own terminal. So mm-hmm. if you're just you know if you're trying to combine different airlines, sometimes you want to make sure you're not going in and out of different air airports, uh, especially if they are outside the city and far apart from that's, each other.
1: That's the thing. Any big Asian city, yeah, double check those connecting flights because a lot of Asian cities have two big airports and they're often separated by great distances. So make sure you have that time or you're leaving from the same airport. Because I'm always worried about that. I
0: unfortunately often have like really long layovers mm-hmm. and then we'll talk a little bit about this later. When I have more than a day layover, I'll leave the airport and go into town and spend the night yeah. or two somewhere. But if it's a short one sometimes it can be stressful manila is one we were all talking about earlier that like you got to go through a lot of queues and additional security screenings after you land and before you get on your second flight and that can take a long time and it can be kind of stressful
1: yeah absolutely i remember going to hawaii through there and they corralled those of us that were going to hawaii into some little section and i almost felt like i'd done something bad and we went through a tight security and then into an old elevator up to a departures. It was a, a little messy. I see that you've noted Samui here. I have not been through Samui Airport in a million years. I've always just loved the Samui Airport
0: because, well, it was built by Bangkok Airways as a private airway right, originally, right, right. and they did a great job. Their, their airport lounges were always really nice, you know? Mm. So, But in Samui, it reminds me a lot of Hawaii where it's like the baggage claim is outdoors, open air, um, the, the toilets, the urinals face fish tanks and and then on the other side of the fish tank it's outside so there's
1: like natural light coming through the fish tank and uh i just like the vibe there at the samui airport a lot sure one i'll put on here and is it europe yes is it asia yes is uh Istanbul's airport I went through there in 2019 on my way to Georgia and they had built a brand new mega airport and it was absolutely gorgeous inside my dad had access to one of the premium lounges and said they have live cooking stations and yeah it was definitely they've thrown billions at it and it was uh pretty nice so I think with noting a few airports we're going to get through a few tales of various sorts that we've had in airports is that right Yeah, I think that was kind of the idea. I was flying over here,
0: and I was thinking about just the whole airport experience and the airplane experience. And I was like, hey, how come we haven't done an airport or airport tales? I Mm -hmm. guess it was the idea, Um, just because I have a few. And I see you have a few, so I guess we'll share those. And and my first one is Tokyo. And uh, again, I mentioned that when I was flying between Bangkok and Hawaii, there's often long layovers in between. And so if I had to stay too long, I would just book a hotel for a couple of nights in Tokyo okay. and then spend a couple of nights in Tokyo before flying back. Sure. So one time I had I, finished my Tokyo stay of a couple of days and I'm like, great, now I need to go back to the airport and get on my next flight to Hawaii. Mm-hmm. And uh, for those of you who haven't been to Tokyo, they have like one of the largest subway systems in the world. Massive. And, and while it's great. I was going to mention this later, the airports that have trains so you don't need to get a car. Like You can just mm. get on a train to yeah. the airport. Well, in Tokyo, you can't just get on a train. You have to look at this giant map and figure out, okay, which train do I need to get on and how am I going to transfer and how am I going to get there? And I got quite lost. And by the time I got to the airport, it was like coming up to that, like you must check in before a certain time, right, before right, the flight right. leaves or you're not getting on that flight. And I was literally like, Sprinting through the airport, like like with a suitcase and everything, like running, jumping over people, like carts and stuff, and like literally like out of the way. Fortunately, I think this was before nine eleven, when you could run through an airport screaming and not have people arrest you. Yeah, that. Um, and I made it to the counter, and I was like panting and out of breath, and and I really like missed it by like a minute. They're like, sorry, oh, like really? you're you're not getting on this flight, and I was like crushed. I was like, oh my god, like i got to figure out how to get back into town and figure out a hotel and figure out how to get this flight rescheduled. And I was like, just shattered, and I was standing there for like five minutes just trying to figure out what am I going to do. And the phone rang at the desk, and she picks it up, and she's like, excuse me, sir, she's like, there's a person who has forgotten their passport or Uh something, like a Japanese person who was able to check in without showing that until they got to immigration i guess and she's like so there is a seat available but you're going to have to hurry Mm. and they're like i'm like okay and so she's like come on come on she's like so she escorted me and we didn't get a little cart or anything we had to like run again Mm -hmm. and then we got to like the thing to like check because they made me bring my checked bag okay too they didn't take the check bag there They're like you got to bring the check bag to the gate and then when i went through like the security there they found like a lighter in my bag and they're like sir you're gonna have to get that lighter out of your bag and i'm like oh my god i don't know it's probably in the pocket of my jeans like somewhere buried in this (laughs) bag that's stuffed so tight and we had to unpack the bag and she's like hurry please sir you know the plane's like waiting for me Mm. to, to take off and uh i finally made it onto the plane Actually I think I didn't know the reason why I had the seat yet, because I remember finally getting on the plane and sitting down and eventually talked to this Japanese woman who is sitting next to me and she's going to Hawaii and I'm like, Oh, you're going to Hawaii by yourself And mm-hmm. she's like, No, I was supposed to go with my friend Who's sitting? Who in forgot her passport? <laughs> who forgot her her passport? Uh, so her friend uh, saved me and and let me get on that flight. But it was stressful. And it's like I'm a kind of guy who likes to be at the airport three hours early or like 15 minutes early because like okay. I either like to not be stressed out because I'm there early, or I like to get there so that they speed you through the process like that. But it can be stressful.
1: Right. Right. Okay. Mine's a little similar, but a bit different. And I'm not remembering all the details but so we mentioned multiple airports in a city and I had a flight internally in Thailand years ago Uh, I won't mention the airline but I had bought my ticket for Don Muang Airport it said Don Muang Airport right on the ticket so I get to Don Muang Airport and I wait for check-in and they look at my electronic ticket record strangely as if something was something was strange because it was because they did said well this flight isn't leaving from here. This flight leaves from Sawanapum Airport. But my ticket that I had been sold clearly said Don Mueang Airport. So after a bit of cajoling, I actually got them to put me in a taxi and pay for the taxi about 50 kilometers across town to try to make the flight, but at Sawanapum Airport. So when I got there, they had called ahead. They had told them I had a boarding pass. Somehow they gave me a boarding pass at Don Muang, strangely enough. So I sped through everything. I got to the plane. Everyone was on the plane. But they said that my boarding pass was wrong, something was wrong about it. And instead of just letting me off, they actually told me I had to go out of security, back up to check-in, get a new boarding pass, which I did. But that meant they had to keep the plane sitting there, and I ran you know, out, got my, pa- my new boarding pass, ran back in, ran to the plane, and everyone gave me the stink eye, eye mm-hmm. of death as I was getting on the plane, which had sat there for about 15 minutes waiting for me. It was just a weird experience of A, ending up with a ticket, telling you to go to the wrong airport and then you know them so fussy over a piece of paper that they had given me and held the whole plane up like that must have cost a little bit of money but anyway I don't know there's no moral to this story because I checked everything but it was just a very weird experience
0: yeah you know and I hate that guy like you're sitting there and you're waiting and waiting and finally the guy gets on the plane and and you're always like man this guy's lazy whatever and you don't realize that that guy was probably just running through some airport too you know yeah I was Uh, that guy
1: and that's exactly (laughs) what I didn't
0: like about it yeah Um, Okay, so this is possibly my best layover ever story. And I was flying, I think, on Korean Air, which is a great airline, really good food on Korean Airlines in general. But for some reason, when I had this really long layover, this girl who was sitting next to me was talking with me about her really long layover, too. And the airline had actually booked her a hotel room for Mm -hmm. the layover. And I was like, why didn't didn't I get an airport Hotel room from the airline, you know, mm-hmm. and so she's like, "Well, why don't you come and back to, to my hotel with me, and you can oh, crash wow. there for a while?" Okay, and I was like, "Yeah, all right," you know. And this, she was a Canadian girl. She had a shaved head, or as close like she had a little bit of fuzz on top of her head. Yeah, uh, snowboarder. Um, clearly not inviting me back to her room for any sexual escapades. I believe I don't think she was interested in me that way, but she was being nice and invited me to come back to, to her room, you know? So we took this shuttle to this airport hotel area around there and We get in the room, and she's like, I'm going to take a bath. And I'm like, yeah, all right, go ahead. I'm like, I'll I'll see what's on TV. So she, like, draws herself a bath. And then she jumps in the bathtub, but she leaves the door open. So, like, maybe maybe I was getting the wrong impression, you know. And I'm surfing through the channels, and there's, like, Korean porn on the the TV and I'm like I think this is a love motel I'm like I don't know, because there's lots of those in Asia as well I'm like I think this is a love motel and we were joking about the fact that uh, you know I'm watching porn and she's in a bathtub and we're two strangers that met on an airplane yeah and uh, and we didn't hook up but I I took a nap and then when I woke up from my nap I was I had still had like hours and hours and hours to go so I jumped on the coex shuttle they have a free shuttle from the airport that goes into the city center yeah and I had lived in Korea before and I had a membership at a casino there at Coex. And so I, I went to the casino and I played some cards and I won 100 bucks. And while I was playing cards, I managed to get a hold of a friend who agreed to come down and meet me for lunch. So he came down to the Coex area after I'd won 100 bucks and I, and I bought him lunch with some of my winnings and we had a nice catch up. And, uh, and then I went back to the airport and I got on my flight and continued on my way. And so that was all a pretty interesting stopover where like everything sort of went smoothly for once.
1: Yeah, I was just really thinking that story was going in a different direction uh, at the start there for a while, but maybe there's another podcast in that. But that, uh, yeah, that's great if you can have a full, meaningful layover. So my next one is just a couple comments that were just kind of interesting, and I think these have all changed. But in Pokhara, Nepal, and this is a place you would fly to see the Annapurna Range, it used to be a small, tiny, old, run-down airport. And I just always thought it was funny that... They had in one corner of the departure area, a couple, well, a couple, each of the rooms had one. In the corner was a, a spittoon with for to spit betel nut. So people will chew betel nut, which makes your teeth red and gives you some energy. But they actually had a spittoon in the corner of the room in the departure area. And the corner of the wall, for about a meter plus in height, all the way down and around the spittoon was covered in red spittle Spit from people having spit in this spittoon, and I just thought, what a kind of a rough, weird thing to have uh, at an airport. And then the other one is one time on a trek, we had to get choppered out. Some people weren't well, and the chopper picked us up at whatever altitude we were at. I think just shy three thousand meters. Turned out it couldn't take all of us from that height with bags, so it took a couple of us, flew us down, landed on a little rice terrace on the side of the mountain. We got out, went and picked up the others, picked us up, and then we flew to Kathmandu Airport and just I realized that traveling private like that, then you just walk straight from the chopper out the gate and you're out. Like There's no mucking about, getting bags, and that made me really realize I want to be wealthy enough to fly private. Yeah, you actually just reminded me of a
0: tip that I'll bring up later, perhaps. Okay. Um, But uh, yeah, getting the private travel and getting the hookups like that definitely make your transfers and, and, and arrivals much easier. Um, again, my experience is usually just really long layovers, uh, especially between Asia and, and North America, Hawaii. So, you know, some airports have really great sleeping rooms, mm-hmm. uh, and nap rooms and, and really great things like that, that we'll talk about with the tips at the end. But, but, uh, especially over the two years of COVID travel, like, you know, like there's very minimal airport services, yeah. you know, and I was, I think it was, it was Taiwan. I was passing through Taiwan on my way to Hawaii. And, uh, there's no nap rooms or anything like that. So, and a lot of the airports, like they're so bright, you know, like it's really bright in airports, tough to sleep. So they had this library in the Taiwan airport that had like little cubicles where you could set up your computer. Okay. So I just crawled up underneath the cubicle Mm -hmm. with the cart blocking where I was. You made a fort. Yeah, I made like a little cubicle fort for myself to sleep in. And it worked so well that I crashed right out and slept for several hours, I believe. And when I woke up, it was all dark now. And I was like, huh. And I pushed my cart out of the way and I looked up and all the lights had been turned out in the library. And the doors to the library were shut and locked Oh. And I was trapped inside of this library and I was like, oh, no, like, that's not good. You know, I'm like looking out the windows and, and it's in the middle of the night. So I don't know if though, this whole terminal section has been closed or not. <laughs> There's no cleaning people around or anything. And, and I was like, oh, so I went over to the desk and I picked up one of the phones. I was like, yeah, maybe yeah. I could call for help or something. And it didn't work. And I was like, oh, no. And then and then finally, I was like, wait, I'm locked in the library yeah so i should be able to unlock Unlock, myself from the library which i was able to do so i unlocked the library door and i went out and i looked around a bit and then after some time i was like well i guess i'll go back to sleep then and i locked myself back in the library library. (laughs) and i went back under my cubicle fort and i went back to sleep again for a few hours and i can't remember when i woke up the second time i think it, it hadn't quite been opened up yet but like it was the airport was starting to come alive and uh it's kind of funny.
1: That's hilarious. So some cleaner or security person was doing the nightly shutdown duties, but why would they look under the desk in the library to see my heart? Yeah, I guess maybe they weren't paying attention, but that's yeah. kind of neat to get locked in. Look, my next one kind of, it originated at an airport, but it didn't happen in an airport, but it just still sticks out. as so weird. So I used to co-host trips in Nepal with a friend of ours, Mads. And one of the things to do out of Kathmandu, if you want to pony up the money is to take an Everest scenic flight. So these happen very early in the morning, you get to the airport generally, it's still dark, and they're just tiny prop planes, one seat on each side. And the idea is before the weather gets rough and the winds get going, you set off in very early morning, they fly out to and along the Himalayan range and back. And so you get, you know, 20 minutes or so of looking out the windows at the world's biggest mountains. And on this one flight, you know, it's probably 6.45 in the morning or something, full of foreigners and these two females proceeded to have a hardcore makeout session the entire flight. And it, I, we don't think they saw one Himalayan mountain, let alone the range. They didn't see Everest. And they didn't just kiss, but they were, you know, there was, I would say, heavy petting going on in this tiny prop plane while we're flying past the world's largest, most majestic peaks that we're all on the plane for. There's no other reason to be on the plane. But, man, they something had happened, and those two were really, really going at it. They must have weird. just gotten
0: engaged or something,
1: something, yeah. Something special happened along those mountains. So that was a very odd experience that originated at an airport. Hmm.
0: Okay. This one is uh, not an international flight, but it mm-hmm. is a domestic flight. And not long ago, we did an episode on our favorite hotel experiences. And right. I didn't mention this in my favorite hotel. Experience. I've been on this flight as well. But I went and stayed out at the Soneva Kiri Resort on Koh Kod Island in yep. Thailand. And they flew me out in a private plane to their private airstrip, which is on a little island next to Golf Very cool. So it, it's a prop plane. It wasn't a jet, but it had really nice leather yeah, seats. Yeah. And, and it was me and the tennis pro. They have a tennis pro. So right. the tennis pro and I flew together on their little private jet or private plane out to and it's great that little private airway and you land on that private airway and then they pick you up with this really nice boat and then they cruise you over on the boat to the island it's pretty slick so that was slick and i like that but when i had to leave they informed me unfortunately that the aircraft was in bangkok and they wouldn't be allowed to they wouldn't be able to fly me back to bangkok okay um so what they did do was there's trot airport which is another one of those bangkok airways right, built on the mainland too. yeah built like the samui one I, you oh, know right. and, and uh and they're like we'll fly you on our helicopter to trot and then we bought you a ticket on bangkok airways oh, wow. to fly you back to 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 Bangkok you know that's pretty cool and that's pretty amazing that they would buy me a ticket because the private plane wasn't available and that was the first time I'd been in a helicopter and that was a really cool helicopter flight there to Trot and then Trot is a nice airport because Bangkok Airways built it specifically for access to Galkud and uh, and it was a great hotel experience and a really cool uh, way to travel.
1: That is very very neat yeah my next one isn't terribly interesting but it just took me back to I was going to say the early days of travel in Asia for me, it was my first trip to Asia as a backpacker. And this is probably back in about 92 or 93. And I assume things have changed greatly since then. But, you know, as a young backpacker, Tokyo's notoriously expensive. So we had the brilliant idea, a group of us, uh, two of us, and then two other people we met. And we'll just go the night before to Narita Airport. We'll sleep on an airport bench or whatever, and then get that 8 a.m. flight or whatever it was. But I remember that in those times the security did sort of a detailed sweep, it seemed, around the whole airport at a certain hour. It was probably 11 p.m. and gradually seemed to corral and move all backpackers that were in the airport trying to sleep down to one departure gate. And over about an hour, it ended up being probably about 30 of us all down, corralled again to this one gate where we were all meant to stay and not leave that area and sleep on benches. And I, it just it felt weird to go from this civilized travel feeling to then realizing oh wow I almost feel like a refugee being corralled into this thing and they had a guard stand there and kind of make sure we all stayed in that area that night it was it was just a weird sort of feeling and experience
0: that is kind of weird and that that is a good segue I think to our travel tips because one of the travel tips I wanted to talk about was sleeping in airports. Okay. And and it's funny because I, I mentioned earlier, but like Tokyo was the first place where I used kind of like a mini hotel room. Right, right. It wasn't a capsule, but it, it was okay. like a mini room and it was sure. like 20 bucks an hour. It was 20 bucks for the first hour and then $10 for each additional hour or something reasonable like that. Um, so Tokyo is a great place to sleep. Whereas like my first time in Singapore, Changi airport yeah. back in 96, they didn't have any nap rooms or anything. And it was as bright and clean as a hospital. And there mm-hmm. was like, you, I had to sleep on like a tile floor, right. you know, like it was, it was horrible. Um, whereas I saw for Doha, one of the reasons Doha is number one is their snooze cubes, okay, which are like $20 places you can take a nap or stuff like that. Otherwise, like, Now in Taiwan, they do have nice reclining chairs you can nap out in. In Seoul, where I was recently, um, they have nap areas where they have these really nice reclining chairs, but the light is dim and it's kind of like, it's it's made for napping Mm. for free, which I think is really great. So like, I think, you know, finding those nap zones, if you walk around and find them, like there's usually now airports in Asia have places designated, you don't have to crawl underneath the cubicle anymore.
1: Yeah, that's a big step forward um, my little tip is it only applies to a certain audience but often in asian airports they'll have priority lanes for you know, entering or, or entering to leave the country, begin that process and actually coming in as well. It is worth looking in those airports. What are the terms for qualifying as priority? Generally, parents with kids, if you're traveling with small children, they'll let you go through those. And, and they're just shorter lineups that expedite you through. A lot of them, if you're 65 years or older, you can go through. And then if you have any kind of regional travel card or, you know, travel working status, you can often talk your way through those. So it can be well worth finding out what the terms are. And that can help make your, entering and exiting a country quite a bit quicker yeah i have one for
0: for for that um that i discovered when i was arriving in bali one time and uh i I had started talking to this guy before we got on our flight and he was on crutches had a broken leg i think it was okay and and we just were chatting a bit and he seemed like a nice guy and uh, i like to be the last person on an airplane and the last person off an airplane first or last Either. Okay. Yeah. Like last is best to get on just because I don't like people hitting me with their bags. Yeah. And I like to be last to get off just because I don't want to deal with people and if I'm not in a hurry, whatever. Sure. So when I arrived in Bali this one time, I let everybody on the plane get off. And then it was just the the guy with the broken leg left. Okay. So I walked up to him and I'm like, hey, Isaiah, how's your flight and stuff? Oh, good. And he started to get up and he had the bag in the overhead. And I'm like, hey, let me help you with your bag and stuff. Okay. And then the stewardess came and she's like, hey, you know, your van will be around in a minute if you just want to wait. And and he's like, hey, you mind if my friend comes? And she's like, yeah, no problem. Don't worry about it. That's a good one. And so we got off the plane and we got in a private van that took us to, because sometimes you got to get on a bus off the plane, right? right? So we got the private van to the terminal. And then from there, they took us in a private thing right to a private lane and straight through the private immigration thing and i was like that was awesome Uh, and then from then on i'm like anytime i ever see a a person in a wheelchair i'm always going to try and help them with their bags and try and get on the express caravan but uh,
1: i haven't had a second chance to do it but uh, it seems like it could work again that's a that's a pretty good one (laughs) my next one kind of applies to airport but i'll just put two together here one is i've mentioned this on other episodes but generally If you don't have a local SIM card, you're gonna say go out of the airport for a while. Just make sure you have places saved on Google Maps, and when you have an internet connection, open Google Maps. Then when you head outside, it'll still display on Google Maps, which is handy. But I would say regardless of what kind of ticket you're on, even economy, check with airlines. A lot of them, if you apply a little polite pressure at the desks within airports, they might give you that complimentary tour into the city for a couple hours. Or I know years ago, I managed to get a room on a, I think it was a nine hour layover in Seoul. We definitely weren't of the ticket class to qualify for layover. Yeah. But myself and, oh, Dan, that we've had on the show recently were there. And we just kept talking to this woman at the check-in desk and telling her how tired we were. And then we would ask her about her job and how she was doing. And we just wore her down over time till where at the end she just finally looked at us and said, I don't like my job. And then she gave us a room. So I think they have a lot of leeway to offer meal vouchers as well like if you're somewhere for over three hours I think not always but often if you apply a little bit of gentle pressure you can get those little things so it's worth being nice about but trying
0: yeah that and that's I'm going to combine two things then the one I had written down and and this because when I flew here the other day like I think probably more so now than ever before working in in an airport or on an airplane is is a horrible job You know, like there's so many idiots and mean people all the time. And like, I often have like a little bit too much weight in my bag or Mm -hmm. I always have, you know, so I've just developed this habit of being super nice to everybody. You know, Mm. when I went to check in the other day, I look at the name tag as I'm approaching Mm. and I'm like, good morning, Susan. Mm you look tired today, you know? It must be Mm -hmm. rough dealing with all these people, you know? And actually that woman, as I left, she's like, thanks for caring. Like she really appreciated the fact that I wasn't just like barking at her, you know? Um, So that kind of plays into my like, Always be nice, but like sometimes, like this happened in, in Brazil, which is in Asia, but this is, has also has happened in 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 Korea, where like I don't know what line I'm supposed to get in, like I don't know where I'm supposed to check right, in, right, I'm confused, right. and and what I've learned is that if you just go to any window, that's from your airline, whether it's international or domestic or first class or whatever, just go to a window where there's no line. It's just a person sitting there doing whatever they're doing. That's not supposed to be helping people and just go up and be be like, hi, I'm really sorry to bother you. Mm. I'm confused. I don't know what's going on. I think my flight's leaving soon or something like that. And they'll be like, well, let's see your passport and they'll type it in and if they don't help you they will take you to where you need to get help without having to wait in line so i I find that even in immigration i used to do that in thailand i would go to the thai people only thai nationals only because there was less people and i would just get in that line because i'm a dumb foreigner and i don't know any better (laughs) and they would always help me i never got sent out of that line you know so i think just like being super healthy super friendly um you will get people to help you
1: yeah, that's that's a very good one. Being nice can pay, believe it or not, right? So, I think now we we've got a list of of little easy kind of tips or suggestions that we'll just blast through. I see that you've got a whole lot of good ones. So, what are some of your uh, little win tips? Oh, here's one. Yeah, right. Um, well, we were talking earlier about like the offline Google Maps. That's mm-hmm. a great tip for
0: sure. Um, the other thing is I have, like, what I call my Jason Bourne wallet. It's, uh, <laughs> it's got, like, currencies from, like, every country in the yeah. world in it. And so anytime I know I'm going to be passing through, let's say, Seoul, I have some Korean money yeah. ready to go so I don't have to deal with doing a currency exchange or anything like that. That's a great tip. Um, that has a... Uh, a power adapter yep. and it's set aside there because some airports do have weird power adapter things. And, and if you want to buy one at the airport, they're expensive. You know, um, I'm really, I don't sleep on airplanes, but I always save that mask and earplug kit. Mm. for my layover because I know I'm going to have to sleep during the layover. Good one. And even the travel pillow. Like, I don't sleep on airplanes. I just can't. But I'm going to use that travel pillow when I'm sleeping in the airport oh, on so the layover. so you borrow the travel pillow. Or, no, or, or... Yeah, I'll do that sometimes. I yeah. will. I'll take the blanket. And then give it back yep, later on another the, flight? Yep, I'll take it from my flight and drop it off on the next flight sometimes. Um, otherwise, uh, the duty-free cologne. You know, like, I always yeah. bring... Extra underwear socks and a white t shirt. Right. And if I have a long layover and, and I, if I can shower, I'll shower. If I can't, I, I will do my best to freshen up a little bit. Some cologne, fresh undershirt, fresh underwear, fresh socks always makes me feel better Those for, the, are good, for that second good flight. Tips. And invariably, like it happened on my last international flight, the stewardess spilled the tray of drinks on me they usually spill coffee on me i usually end up getting wet on a flight mm. for some
1: silly reason and it's nice to have some backup clothes i think even domestically like within a country on a one-hour flight have enough that you could make it till the next day without having to go shopping right because if they lose your bag you might not get that bag for hours or, or till the next day so at least if you have you know a t-shirt that fits and, and a pair of underwear and a toothbrush those simple things you're you're probably good to go. Yeah, the travel toothbrush always good to have. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So I've got a few little ones. I think I've mentioned this one a few times, which shows that I might have a drinking problem. But I always like to travel with 100 milliliter bottles of my favorite spirits. So you go to your little drugstore, dollar store. They sell 100 mill bottles, and then you know I put tends to be Jack Daniels, but I check in with a few of those. And most airlines say it's illegal to drink your own booze, but you be stealth about it. You order a Coke, and I love to. You know on those couple hour flights just read my book on a kindle have a couple nice drinks and those uh, bottles can also be enjoyed in the airport themselves while you're having a meal and you don't want to drop 10 or 15 dollars on a drink you just get a coke and that's one that i absolutely must have when traveling
0: that's a tricky one because i don't like to drink when i travel just because like i don't sleep on flights so sometimes i'm awake for 20 hours and uh and and it's harder when you're a little tipsy. maybe. Sure.
1: Um, Another one that's good, not all airports have them, but I think a lot of them tend to have the the workers' food court. So I know where they are in Don Muang and Sawanapum here, but yeah, the people working there have to eat somewhere, and often there is a food court. They don't publicize it real well, and it's usually in a kind of a remote corner but check it out, see if there is one and you'll probably A, spend less, but also just get some more local kind of food. So that's one worth seeking out, I think.
0: That's a great tip, the food court. Otherwise, just like, you know, get out of the airport or go to like, sometimes there's better food uh, outside of immigration, you right. know. And like it's good to do a little research beforehand. Like I mentioned, COEX. Like if you have a long layover in Seoul, you can leave the airport. You can get on a bus. You can go into town. I think it's all free, even you know. Mm-hmm. And and then there's great food there at the COEX Mall. There's a roller coaster there for sure. Or in Shanghai, one time I had like a twelve hour layover there's a bullet train, like a super fast high-speed train that goes from the airport into Shanghai. Yeah, I went to Shanghai. I had lunch with a friend on that trip as well. Uh, I think it's always worth checking into like, hey, you know what, can I leave the airport? Mm-hmm. And uh, is it easy to do, especially if there's a train? Or like I said, like sometimes the good food is, is, is outside immigration. And sure. if you have enough time and you're just going to be walking around the airport for 10 or 12 hours anyway, yeah, you know, go through immigration, get some food on the outside and then check back in.
1: Yeah. And as you said, I think a lot of these countries now have those complimentary buses because they want you to go in and spend money, pump money into the local economy. It's a good one. I kind of note this one and it's something I'll still do. And I generally do to arrive somewhere early enough, but was really give deep, deep thought to that early morning flight. It always seems like a great idea booking a 7 a.m. flight. Think like, okay, I get on it, but then I'm there at 9 or whatever. But the day, the night before comes and you realize you have to get up at 3.30 in the morning or 4 a.m. And then you're just kind of a bag of shit for the rest of the day. So I always feel like it's not worth it. I book that early flight, but then when it comes time to doing it, I think leaving a bit later in the day or late, late at night is way better.
0: I agree just because, like, if you don't get a good night's sleep before you travel, then when you arrive, you're you're extra tired. Like, yeah. you might have jet lag and you didn't get a good night's sleep the night before. But on the flip side, my thing now is, like, checking the arrival time. Because if you're going to arrive in a city where there is not a train from the yep. airport, let's say Manila, like mm-hmm. Jakarta, Bangkok, but Don Muang, well, there may be now, right? But, yeah, but yeah, even so, the train lot, might not go where you yeah. need. And if you arrive in one of these cities at rush hour... Especially screwed. on like a Friday or something like that, it, 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 you're adding hours to your travel time. Yeah. Hours and, and a bunch more money for the fare, for that sure. thing. So, like, you know, I'd hate to get up at four to do the flight, but I'd rather almost do that than arrive in, during rush hour.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. That, that, that is a great tip. Don't arrive at rush hour in an Asian megacity for sure so we've covered uh, quite a few bases i'm sure we'll come up with more but i am pretty confident there's at least a couple things everyone could try on their next trip i think you hit the nail on the head though the point is be polite with any of these and if you get caught and you've broken some rule like let's say having a sip alcohol on a plane hey be nice apologize whoops sorry i missed that message and and, and don't be a dick to these people because i think they get treated like shit quite quite often and if you're at least if you're at least nice and appreciative, I think you're going to get a long way when you travel.
0: Yeah. Most of the time. And again, hopefully we're getting out of all this COVID BS. Like there's, they, they're they making us jump through a lot of extra hoops and sometimes that can be frustrating. And I had some trouble with that on my flight recently, but I also had, when I was flying to San Francisco from Hawaii, I had some Karen freak out and get arrested and kicked off the plane, you know? Really? Yeah. So there's definitely like nut jobs on your airplanes these days too, you know? Hmm. Um, so yeah, just try and keep cool and be nice. And, you know, pick a pick a good flight. Uh, we should have my dad on to talk about some of this stuff because he's the Jedi of these topics, I think.
1: We should, yeah. So, anyway, we hope you've enjoyed this. Uh, we hope this has really wet your palate for getting on a plane and making that trip that you maybe haven't been able to make for a couple of years. If you make it over to this part of the world, and particularly if you're a patron, get in touch with us. Send us an email at talktravelasia at gmail.com. If you're a patron, we'll buy you an ice cold beer. For those of you that want that ice cold beer, Start sponsoring the show. Check it out. Click donate on our website. Thanks for listening. And Trevor, it's been a delight to record one in person. I think this is the first one in like two years together in the same spot. It's been
0: a while since we were able to record an episode together. So that's pretty awesome. Good to see you. Glad to uh, do an episode in person. And I hope friends and followers enjoyed this episode. And if you have any tips or tales of your own that you'd like to share, send us a message and uh, we'll shout it out on our Patreon episodes. So thanks for listening and we'll be back in two weeks with a guest, until then.
1: Thanks for joining us on Talk Travel Asia. We look forward to sharing with you again soon. Hey Scott, do you remember the time we walked on top of the wall at Angkor Tom?